Hello and welcome to Build Momentum, a show where we explore thought leadership and education. I'm Sarah Williamson, the founder of SWPR Group. And I'm Katie Lash, the director of the East Central Educational Service Center. Together, we explore how to leverage key partners, your constituencies, and the media to authentically impact your organizations and the leaders who champion them. We can't wait to get started, so let's dive into today's show. And today on Build Momentum, we're so lucky we have J.W. Marshall with us. If you've been anywhere in EdTech for the last, I don't know how many years, a decade maybe, you've probably heard the name J.W. Marshall. He's currently the VP of Marketing at Summit K-12, but he's even more well-known as the host of Voices of E-Learning, show where he celebrates the leaders and experts that are powering education into the future. So nice to have you on the show. Actually, it's the second time you've been on the show. Welcome back, JW. Thank you. It's so great to be back. Yes. Glad to have you. So I know you've had a big life change this last year. I was so excited for you when you told me you were returning to Summit K-12. So tell me how it's going, how you're liking it. And I know you've made some big changes that we're going to talk about over there, but how's it been going? Yeah. And I'll try to hold back on some of the changes so we can get into them in more detail, but mm-hmm. it's going really great. I really was excited to come back to Summit. I helped the founder, John Kresge, start the company back in 2015. And the timing of a brand new startup back then wasn't the best as I was starting a family also. But we always said we would come back together a few years or so in the future when Summit had grown and the timing was right. And so I was actually working with a media company, MarketScale, and was very happy there and was not looking to leave. But the opportunity just was too good to pass up to come back to Summit and really do what I love, which is helping schools, helping teachers, helping students, helping districts, you know, grow, you know, student learning and student learning outcomes in an engaging, exciting way. I've been very blessed in my career to work with really, really top-notch companies. And it was just, again, too good to, to pass up to come back to Summit. So I'm very excited. Just celebrated my one-year anniversary a few months ago. And the time has flown by, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. It feels like, you know, it's just been a few months because we hit the ground running and it's been a lot of fun. That's good. I feel like a couple of my employees who've been with me for a year are like, oh, it feels like 10. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it just sometimes Depends on the day. Right. But it just, there's running a startup, you know, it's just a lot going on and you're always moving at a fast pace. So shout out, Elite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, JW, we've never met, but I hear, rumor has it, that you're known as the industry podcast expert. This podcasting is all new to me. but So how did you originally get into this and education? Tell us your story. Yeah, and it's funny. I've only been in the podcasting for, uh, I guess, a little over two years now. And I was in your same shoes two years ago where I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts. I have to admit that now that I've been doing this long enough. And so really the power of the podcast, I'm excited to talk about that today in the further questions. But education was always really uh, near and dear to my heart, a passion of mine. My mother was an educator for over 40 years, just recently retired a couple years ago. And so I really thought right out of school as a business major, but I loved education. I almost went into higher education or administration. And my mother said, you've got this business degree, go work in the real world for one year. And if you just can't stand it, 
you can always go back to education. And I was so fortunate to land at an ed tech company called Study Island in 2005 that was the best of all worlds. It couldn't have been a better time, better place to put my business and marketing you know, passions together with education. And that really set me on a course there for over six years. Tremendous growth. We were kind of one of the first online learning companies around No Child Left Behind and really building software state by state from the ground up for what teachers really needed. And we didn't realize how big it was at the time and what we were doing and how it kind of paved the way for thousands probably of other ed tech startups, you know, 10 years later and got into education consulting with a lot of those companies after that. And those consulting gigs turned into full-time with a few other uh, companies like Sapling Learning and Mentoring Minds, and then on to media. And media brought me back to Summit. And it's been almost 20 years in EdTech now. That's fantastic. Yeah, so my decade was wrong. Two decades. <laughs> You're dating me now. I'm little. I'm not the young marketing guy I used to be, but I got a lot of years, good years left in me. You look younger than you are. I think you probably saw me perk up. I used Study Island at my last school, so how about that? A little familiar. There you go. Yeah, it's still around today, going strong. I love that. So you seriously have made your way all around EdTech. I had no idea you worked for so many different companies, but that probably really helps with the podcast and how you've been able to build so many connections too through Voices of E-Learning, I imagine. It does that I did the consulting because I got to work even with Houghton Mifflin and some of the big companies. I got to work with Macmillan Publishing and then startups of just one or two people and then a lot of fast growing startups that were really cutting edge, you know, at their time. And so I feel like starting the show, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know what I didn't know, but it really just kind of clicked pretty quickly that I love having these conversations, not just in kind of my wheelhouse, which is supplemental or course online curriculum, but really really pre-K to gray, adult learning, high school, college, elementary, anyone that's doing something interesting in the space from the ed tech side, as well as getting to interview superintendents and educators and district level folks that are on the map, if you will, for innovation and for trying new things. And so I love looking at LinkedIn and hearing people say, oh, if we only did this or we only did that. And often I can have a real tangible story to say, actually, I just interviewed Scott Murray from Hector County, and he is paying his teachers over $100,000 a year. So he's solving that problem of teacher pay. And he's helping teachers gain more responsibility and experience and become master teachers without having to leave teaching to go to administration to make more money. And that's having a positive impact and he doesn't have teacher shortage. So you should check out the podcast and you should, you know, follow them, you know, or another district in Victoria that Sarah is very familiar with, you know, the superintendent there is just really doing some radically innovative things that aren't you know, rocket science on the face, but they're hard to execute on. And so I often point people in that direction of, hey, here's an example of this actually happening. So in the evolution of our show, it's really exciting. It started during the pandemic and it was a lot of silver linings. How are we going to do this better on the other end? And this last year, this last season has been my most favorite because it's here's real stories of, you know, what's happening now that you can implement tomorrow, that you can start to, you know, really make those changes that we've been talking about for a few years as a hopeful, you know, this pain is all worth it kind of, you know, scenario during the pandemic. And now it's really happening. And it's just so exciting to get to talk about those things instead of the hypotheticals. Yeah. And I love how at Summit, it seems like you've been able to combine two of your passions with media and ed tech and entrepreneurship. So Talk to me when you first went there. We were talking the other day about all the changes you've made. So you've launched some media programs. You've done some amazing work. 
Tell me more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think my penchant for innovation goes all the way back to Study Island. When I started there, they were doing a one-page direct mail piece, black and white, like once a semester. And that was it. And so I got to kind of invent email marketing. It was like a new thing back then. And then five years later, webinars were kind of a new thing in like 2010. And we just blew it up and we figured out the best ways to do it. And so throughout my career, it's been fun to kind of find the next big thing and really kind of hone in on it and you know build really strong program around meeting the audiences where they're at. And so the podcast has been my favorite so far. Probably I'll say in five years, something new is my favorite so far. But right now, the podcast has really just been the gift that keeps on giving. And so anyone listening today, if you don't have a show, start a show. I hesitate to even call it a podcast. I call it a show because it can be video, it can be audio, it can be... It just doesn't have to be what you would typically think of as a podcast. You can make it your own. You can make a mini series. There's so many options of things that you can do to to leverage media and have a show or multiple shows in my case, as we started one and we started a second, a third, and we'll get into that. But we really found value in a lot of ways. One, of course, is the traditional growing an audience and owning your audience versus going on other people's shows. And you know that's a good thing to do. But if you can parlay that to also owning your own show, then you really get to own that audience and you get to invite others into your conversation and own that conversation. And in some niches within education, there's still shows that need to be born. There's still opportunity. We're still in the early stages of podcasting in education. It feels like there's a lot now because people are catching on and getting on board with it. But honestly, I was just talking to someone about learning management systems and I encouraged him to start a show about learning management systems. And he said, well, who would listen to that? And I said, well, it's not really just about like reaching the millions. It's about reaching the people that care about that topic, that want to share their insights, that want to engage in a way that's not just a LinkedIn post or not just a tweet, right? But a, a more you know deep conversation. And I told him, I said, you'd be surprised. And to my you know pleasure, he started a show and just on his own, he's three or four episodes in. And he's like, oh my God, it's already opened up some really cool doors. And I may be starting a company or I may be joining this other company that I didn't think would happen. And they're already in three or four episodes looking at me as an expert. And of course, I have some expertise, but when you put yourself out there and you do the work, I told him the same thing I'll tell anyone listening. You have to be consistent. You have to be strategic and have a plan, but you can't overthink it and not just get started. And of course, you have a great show here as well. You guys are both experts and can share your experience, but good things happen if you put yourself out there and you start the show and you stay with it. I would recommend giving it at least at least 10 to 20 episodes. And I guarantee you, you're going to see some doors open that would not have opened without doing it. So it's typically not two or three episodes and, oh, a thousand people watch this or I got a lead or I got a deal or I got a new job. But 10 to 20 episodes and you'll start seeing some results. And then for me personally, 25, 50, 75, 100 episodes... PR companies start reaching out to you and other companies start reaching out to you. And when you reach out to someone to be a guest and you can name drop two or three other, you know, name guests, they're like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll do that. And the next thing you know, you've got people with hundreds of thousands of followers wanting to be on your show, saying yes, sharing your content along with them. And you're really providing value to them as well. So it's really a win-win. I think when you do it right, that you obviously get a lot of value in hosting the conversation, but the goal has to be providing value to others. It can't be salesy. It can't be, you know, really selfish reason to do the show because people will see that really quickly. You've got to be authentic. And if you come across as really caring about the guest and the conversation and the audience, good things are going to happen. Yeah. Well, tell us what you did at Summit K-12. 
what you yeah, want. So we're based in Texas. And so we're going to be expanding out nationally. But right now we're really focused on Texas. So we create a show called Accelerating Texas K-12 Education. And that's opened the doors to talk to a lot of organizations, uh, the TEA, which is a big deal in Texas, the Texas School Superintendents Association, and really kind of honed in on some key areas that Summit works with, language development, science, English language arts. But we've left ourselves open to, you know, state representatives and different people that are, you know, really thought leaders in education for Texas. And it was so successful, has been so far. We're still in kind of season one, about to be season two, that we went ahead and launched sub shows, Accelerating Texas K-12 Science, because that's a big deal to us, and Accelerating Texas K-12 English Language Development, which is kind of a long title. But for the people that care about that topic, and there are a lot in Texas, and that's a conversation that people aren't really having, it has really, really brought a lot of people together because the language development community, bilingual teachers, ESL teachers, they don't get much recognition. And so just to have them on or bilingual directors to talk about their programs and what's working and what they're excited about coming out of the pandemic and just giving them a voice and a platform has been amazing for us. And so, and it's been a couple of emotional episodes of people just, you know, having such inspirational stories to share that I never, again, would have guessed when we started this, we would be getting people tearing up about how their parents would have been so proud if they could see them in their position now and the fight for equity for their students and, you know, just really inspiring stuff. And so, for me, every week getting to do these shows, mostly as the host and producer, it gives me life and it gives me energy to do all the other things that are required as my VP of marketing role is. And now we've actually grown to a point over the last 12 months that I've hired a media producer because we're now producing seven different shows and seeing the value of doing those. Our CEO said, yeah, we need to double down, triple down and do more of this media. So the final thing that I think has been really amazing for us is working with not only inviting those partner organizations, the Texas Association of Bilingual Educators is a good example onto our show, but we've actually reached out and we've proposed to them, let's help you start your own show. And they've all gone, oh, wow, we've always wanted to do something like that, but we didn't know how and we didn't know where to start, really. And so you guys are willing to help like add the production value and just make us the star. And we're like, yeah, that's it. No strings attached, no money exchanging hands. It's just a win-win. We'll help you bring you know your members to the spotlight and we'll have our name associated with you as you know presented by Summit K-12 or powered by Summit K-12. And that's given us access to even more of an audience, right? That they've got these memberships in the thousands, you know, sometimes. And these are the exact same people that are our customers or our prospects. And so it's just amazing that we've been able to build a partnership with them, with the Science Teachers Association and with the Texas School Alliance, which is the 45 largest districts in the state. And it's their superintendents. And they're just excited that we're providing this opportunity for them, this platform for them. And again, they don't talk about Summit one bit. We don't talk about on our O shows. We just talk about the topics and the other people and the progress we're making. And But people do find us after that and they go, wow, any company that is willing to you know, help bring this great content for free to the world, to the state, might be a company we should look at seeing what they do and maybe they can help us. And so again, it's not a formulaic, we'll get X amount of leads every month if we do X amount of episodes. But when you hit 10, 20 plus episodes, it just starts to click to where we can't imagine not doing it now. And that's these organizations now that they've started and have gotten excited 
they can't imagine not doing it. Why were we doing this, you know, a few years ago? So the final thing, and this might be the most exciting, I've got all many, so many exciting things to talk about, is not only helping these organizations start their own shows, but now they have these annual conferences. And part of why they want the show is because it allows them to connect with their audience every week, every other week, every month, depending on their volume, beyond just being known as, oh, we do the CAST conference for science teachers once a year. Now we hit them every week, but at the conferences, we're starting to launch media stages. So it's actually built in as part of the conference. So they have their keynote speaker and the Tabe, we just did this. They had Dolores Cortez, who was a civil rights leader that was side by side with Cesar Chavez. She's 92, amazing story. And she gave a great keynote for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. But no one after the conference is going to go back and watch the recording of the keynote. We had her on the media stage after she was done with her keynote for about 15, 18 minutes. And thousands of people are going to see that in the coming weeks, in the coming months, between now and their next conference. And we did that with all of their keynotes, all of their you know, big name presenters and all their board members. And so everybody got their 15 minutes of fame on the media stage. And they've got content to drip out for two, three, four months now from the conference. And so I think that's going to be a game changer as far as organizations really connecting with their audiences. And it's not taking them 20 hours a week, every week to figure out who are we going to have on and how are we going to do a show? It's really being strategic around all these people come together once a year. Some of the conferences are now twice a year. There's like a semi-annual. Let's capture them there and then drip that content out so that our members are being fed every week with something. And then of course you can do Zoom interviews and things like that. But just in the podcast format versus the webinar format or versus the, you know, all day training, you know, format seems to just really connect with people. Um, kind of that sweet spot, 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the format of the show or 30 to 45, if it's, uh, you know, kind of deeper dive topics. Um, and so just providing a little guidance and a little production value to these organizations, they've taken it and run with it. And it's been amazing to see, you know, the results and they're seeing results within weeks and months because they've already got the big audience, their membership versus kind of me starting my own show out of nothing. So it's really exciting to see that. And again, kind of win-win all around that everybody feels good about it and everybody's getting value. Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts, the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in ed tech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group the EdTech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting momentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's change makers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high-quality content 
creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. You know where to start, Katie. Is is so brilliant now. He is speaking to your heart all the way. No, no, it's fantastic. Everything we preach, yeah. So truthfully, I mean, other than the fact that Sarah and I have become pretty good buddies, like I really latched onto her about this podcasting because I was like, I want to start a podcast sometime, and like my agency, like everything you were just saying, you caught my attention a lot there. But tell me more. I want to know more about the voices of e-learning. Tell us more about your season. And also, if I inserted myself as Sarah's guest in her last season, and now I guess I'm a co-host. So how do you get guests? (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. So voices of e-learning, it started during the pandemic. It started audio only for the first 10, 20 episodes. And then we switched to video, which I think was really key pivot for us because it ranks higher in SEO. More people still will listen to the audio on Apple, Google, Spotify, all the places than the video. But the video has helped us gain more presence and more organic search, which is really an interesting trend that it like basically counts... 2-3x what an audio file is, which is 2-3x what a blog is. So it's kind of like podcasting is a new blogging, video podcasting, and what I would call is just a show and not even a podcast is like the new podcast. Who knows what's next? Probably, you know, AR, AV, you know, some kind of 3D metaverse thing, but we'll get there soon enough. So that's really helped. And initially, what I'd recommend to people to find guests is just use your own network. You know some people, they know some people, your first five to 10 guests, you know, you should be able to kind of pull from your network. And then it was kind of name dropping. Here are some interesting people, a lot of it through LinkedIn. I love this conversation happening. Mike Yates is one of my favorite people with Teach for America, a big thought leader. And I reached out and I said, Hey, I've had on, you know, this person and this person. Would you be interested? And he's like, Yeah, if they've done it, I'm sure I'll do it. And then the next thing you know, he has a good experience. And then he says, You know who else you should talk to is Betsy Corcoran, the founder of Ed Surge. I'm like, I don't know if she would do it, but let me reach out. And she said, Yeah, that sounds good. She's been on my show. She's awesome. Yeah. And I'd had Tony Wan from Ed Surge before, and she's like, Well, if Tony did it, then I'll do it. And Tony's been on, I think, twice a year for the last two years, giving kind of his update on ed tech investment, you know, which is really interesting to me, not something I would want to do a show about every week, but once every six months, I'm like, ooh, I'm looking forward to this episode. So I think my advice would be either go super targeted and niche or what I did in Voices of E-Learning, super broad. I can talk to anyone about anything. I don't have a sponsor, so I'm not like you know beholden to anyone. We don't try to be uh, political or sensationalize any topics, but we also don't hold back. If we want to talk about teacher shortages and teacher transitions, and that's a little sticky, Hey, we're going to talk about it, but we try to talk about it from all angles, not just how to help teachers get out, but how to help districts keep teachers, you know, and make sure that it's not just one sided conversations. And I think once again, you hit the network that you have, the kind of uh, lobbing out invites, and you hit 25 to 50 episodes, then it's a lot easier when people say, Oh, this is an established show. You know, it's not like, Should I do this or not? What is this? And they can go to the website or they can go to Spotify and see, Oh, there's 50 shows here. This is a legitimate show. And then 50 to 75 episodes, we started getting PR companies reaching out. And I'll never forget my favorite story is about 70 episodes in, I got a call from Fox Global, big PR firm. And they said, Hey, we love your show. And you never know if they're flattering you or if they really listen, but it sounded like they did. 
Those PR people are weasels for sure. (laughs) But they said, we would like to have Sal Khan join your show and a representative from AT&T. They've got a partnership about how they're helping fund the growth of Khan Academy during the pandemic. And we think your show would be a great place for them to have that conversation. And I would just had to like say, hold on a second. Let me talk to my manager or producer made up some title and just like held the phone down and went, oh my God, Sal Khan, like his PR agency wants to be on Voices of E-Learning. I'm on the map now. I can retire from podcasting if I want to, like Michael Jordan, just go out on top. And AT&T came into the studio. Sal joined virtually from San Francisco. And he's the nicest guy, by the way, super down to earth. I just saw him on like CNBC with a host that I don't think was being like the nicest to him. And I was like, oh man, I should have him back on again. I was a much better interviewer than this guy, but he had the same background and everything. But yeah, that's like, I never could have imagined when I started this little podcast of just me talking that it would end up there. And now we kind of capped off a long season one at 85 episodes. Season two, I brought on a co-host and I see Sarah has also made a wise choice in co-hosts. That's been really helpful for me as I transition to Summit. I don't have quite as much time to devote to... I was doing two episodes a week, which is way too much. One a week max, I recommend to everyone. Even if you did every other week, like that would be enough. That's what we're doing, um, just not to kill ourselves right now, just so we can be yeah, consistent. But helpful having a co-host because they can help bring in different guests. And I have to give a shout out to my co-host, Lena Marie Saleh, the EdTech guru. She is someone that has been in the classroom, which I have not. She brings a female perspective, which I do not have. And we really have different styles of asking questions and we just work really well together and it makes it easier. And so we've gotten to a groove where we just try to record every Friday, either mid-morning, mid-afternoon, and we have no problem filling up guests now. We're over 100 episodes and it's almost like, oh, here's a cool person. You know, we could slot you in in December. You know, we're usually like four to six to eight weeks out, which I think PR companies like too. There's a little bit of exclusivity that it's not like, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? You know, we can like book you out, especially if it's a CEO or someone important like Salcon, even though I did that episode like a week after they requested it. I'm like, I've cleared the schedule. We can do it next Tuesday. But yeah, having a co-host has been helpful for season two. And we're kind of wrapping up season two now. And then we're going to do some rebranding and kind of start a new season. And I like the idea of seasons versus the indefinite just goes on forever uh, kind of thing. And I would recommend doing seasons in education of like a fall and a spring, and then maybe a mini series in the summer and build in a couple breaks for yourself. I just said you have to be consistent every week. But if you do the work and you are consistent every week, you can take a break for a couple weeks or for a month to recharge your batteries, as long as you're disciplined enough to come back and be consistent again. And so that's been really helpful for us to keep it fresh. And we always try to kind of come up with some different ideas for each season as we're moving forward of, oh, this time we want to go a little bit more personal and professional, or this season we want to go a little bit more into really making sure there's a key takeaway from every episode. So play with kind of having a theme for the season also, I think is interesting for the audience to keep coming back season after season versus again, the kind of indefinite, oh, well, the episode, the the podcast will always be there. It's like, well, maybe not. This is a really special, you know, fall season, spring season, summer series. And then finally, if you're really, you know, wanting to start this but not wanting to even commit to a season, do a mini series. Pick your five best people in your network around a common theme and just try it out. Do a five-part mini series, see what happens, and then you can always extend that or you can do another one. And then my final piece of advice, if we're running out of time, I don't even know is once we started having, especially reoccurring guests every quarter or two, we got familiar with people. I've gotten to be friends with a lot of the guests, which is really cool. Then we started to do panels, which I think was maybe my 
now that I've mastered, if that's even a thing, kind of the the one-on-one, the one-on-two guest, two-on-two now with a co-host, the panels are really interesting where you get three or four people and you have a topic and you know the guest because you've had them on the show before. So you know, as the host or the mediator, where to kind of take the conversation and how to call on people. You know what? You've had a good point on that last time we talked. Can you talk about this? And and I think the audience really appreciates that it's not people that have never you know met and there's no cohesion that they can feel like there's... And the, the panelists, the guests appreciate it. A lot of times at the end, they're like, wow, we should do that again next quarter. That was a really great group. Thanks for kind of putting this all-star lineup together. And I know it's success too when they want to like trade information afterwards and like keep in touch. So I'm also a serial networker as well as podcast host. And so I'm always trying to think of how I can add value to others and connecting them to people in my network. And I think that lends itself really well to this whole podcast show panel media kind of thing that's happening right now. I agree. And you've connected me to many people over the years. So thank you for that. (laughs) And we'll continue to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do feel like we're close to time. Katie, do you have any final questions? No, I still appreciate you sharing just tidbits of advice. I do think there's lots of people kind of trying to enter this space and there's just so much. Truthfully, we were just having this conversation in my office the other day that like, you know, the model in which we would bring teachers in and the expert was like somebody standing up on stage and you listen to them for eight hours. Like that's like really going away. It's like the panels, the experts in the room, the like, let's leverage the expertise we bring. So I think that what you're describing is there's a real appetite for this type of, well, thought leadership, Sarah, there you go. Thought leadership. Yes. I mean, you're literally the case study for thought leadership, JW, what you've created with the conferences and that media room that is so unbelievably brilliant. I mean, and money doesn't change hands, does it? Like you support the media station and then you have access to all of those individuals and your company just benefits. So it's so brilliant. Provide the videographers and the editing, which there's a cost to that, but the, the benefit is so huge. And to make them the stars and to see them say, oh, why don't you come and join my media stage? And a lot of times yeah. it'll be like Tabe and Summit co-branded backdrops and things, which so cost great. a couple hundred dollars. It's like so worth it. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can get a risers and kind of actually have a stage elevates the look and feel of it too. But people walk by and they see the camera and the lights and they're like, ooh, what's this? This is a big deal. Tabe's never done this before. I mean, it was their 50-year anniversary of Tabe. So they were really excited to like have this new shiny toy and we're the ones that brought it to them and brought it to life with the idea. And it's just been amazing. So I hesitate to share some of my trade secrets with the world. I know this is a pretty good trade secret. (laughs) But I feel like I've been doing it long enough and we've already tapped into a lot of the organizations that we want to do this with. We can't do it with everyone. So now I feel like it's my public service to give these ideas out to the world and share them so that more people in more niches within education can, can start to do these things. And everyone benefits, right? We can't talk enough about the great ideas that are out there, theoretical in the future, but also the great ideas that are happening now. It's just exciting time in education. It's the biggest opportunity in 100 years to make change. And we can't talk about it enough. So if you're out there thinking, oh, what's one more podcast about one more topic, go out there and do it and make it your own. And you're going to find, again, you may not get thousands or millions of followers and listeners, but you'll tap into the people that really want to be a part of that conversation. And I guess the last piece is people approach me on LinkedIn all the time. They approach me, you know, I share my email at the end of episodes and they'll email great episode, or if you thought about this guest or this topic. And so I guess be warned that you will kind of put yourself out there as a public figure a little bit, and you will get people reaching out. And so far, so good. I haven't had any no haters uh, yet. negative press 
podcast or, or no haters <laughs> yet, which I kind of feel like, ooh, if I really made it enough until I have a hater or two. But in education, everybody's pretty nice and ethical. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great space to be in. And so I would just say it really does kind of change your life a little bit. If you put yourself out there and you're consistent and strategic and you learn from, you know, what works and doesn't work very quickly and you're willing to pivot, I'm happy again, if anybody wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn to give you any advice I have, because it makes me happy to help others launch shows. And so free consulting advice here for the next couple of weeks. If you guys listening out there want to any advice, look me up on LinkedIn and I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. I'm adding you right now. <laughs> right now. Thanks, JW. This is awesome. It's always good to see you. Always good to see you guys as well. All right. Bye. If you're looking for more of this thought leadership goodness for your organization, you're in the right place. Visit us at swpr-group.com to learn more about how we work with education organizations and their leaders, superintendents, and influencers to increase your impact. Again, that's swpr-group.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on Build Momentum.